This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Hello there, how you going? It's uh, Kevin Riley here and welcome to the Irish Time here on the Manotou People's Radio in Palmerston North which was, we've been enjoying an amazing good spell of warm weather lots of sunshine, it's been brilliant hopefully a sign of things to come possibly Anyway, I'll get on to some of this news from Ireland as it were We've got Northern Ireland Protocol has helped create a thousand new jobs in uh, the north Michelle O'Neill has credited the Northern Ireland Protocol with helping to, to deliver the announcement of thousand new jobs for the region. Uh, the Almac Group uh, in Craigavon, uh, the Craigavon-based pharmaceutical development and manufacturing company, is to recruit what eighteen hundred staff across its global footprint in the next three years, a thousand of which will be in Northern Ireland. On its website, Almag, which uh, last year was involved in the clinical trials for COVID nineteen vaccines, promotes a seamless, uninterrupted, and flexible. Uh, what's it there? Dual sort of opportunity that they have the you know if the people of Northern Ireland and the government they sort of get along. It doesn't seem to be too many problems. Uh, Mr. O'Neill said the announcement had provided a much needed boost to the local economy. The Almac announcement today is a very positive announcement in what is quite a challenging time for our economy because of the p- the pandemic. So I think it's very clear from Almac's statement today that there are. Are benefiting from the protocol that they've able to announce a thousand new jobs, isn't that amazing? But that's not, that's what the pro, that's what the protocol has done for us. It actually gives us that opportunity to have access to both markets. That's you know the, it's your European Union and uh, the UK. The DUP also welcomed the jobs boost, but did not re- reference the protocol as a factor. Well, they wouldn't. They're kind of against the whole thing. Upper Ban uh, MP Diane Dodds, the investment is significant for the Upper Ban area. It's encouraging to see local businesses expanding and providing job opportunities for local graduates and workers across Northern Ireland. We're proud to have a world-leading company on our doorstep. Almac has played a significant role in the development of COVID-19 vaccines and many other life-saving medicines. I welcome the opportunity that this announcement will bring to many younger students. So that is good news. Thousand jobs is uh, a reasonable amount of uh, you know people. Anyway, I came across this Austin Curry. He was a big player in the political scene in the the north of Ireland, and uh, yeah, mostly you know the beginning of the troubles and stuff like that. There, he was kind of a, a prominent uh, person, a bit like John Hume. He was a peace person. He didn't. He was against the violence. One of the earliest champions of civil rights, uh, Austin Curry, has died aged 82. The widely respected politician who served in parliaments on both sides of the border passed away at his family home. Mr Curry was an active member of the civil rights movement in the North in the 60s and 70s before becoming a founding member of the Social Democratic Labour Party with John Hume and Seamus Mallon. He was later elected as uh, a member for uh, a TD uh, MP in, uh, for Fianna Gael down there in Dublin. 
In the statement this evening, Mr. Curry's family said they were heartbroken to announce his death. After a long and eventual, uh, eventful life, he died peacefully in his sleep at his home in uh, Derry Mullen in County Kildare. He had just celebrated his uh, 82nd birthday. Well, it's not a bad innings. Also, he was married to uh, Anita for four, 53 years. They were a formidable team whose love for each other and their family saw them through some of the worst times in Northern Ireland's recent history. He survived by his, his children, Estelle, Katrina, five kids, and their parents and 13 great-grandchildren, or rather grandchildren. Austin, who was born in County Tyrone, was the eldest of 11 children himself. His decision, uh, his decision to squat in a house in uh, Caldon, I think, in 1968 is widely seen as the beginning of the civil rights movement. That was the, you know, Catholics were having real difficulty getting housing, even though there were vacant houses, you know, council houses around. So he took it upon himself to highlight the issue. One of the founding members of the SDLP, uh, Jerry Hume and Jerry Fitt, uh, he played a key role in the politics of that era. In 1989, he won a seat in Dublin West for Fianna Gael and pursued a successful career as a TD and minister until retirement in uh, 2002. Our daddy was wise, brave and loving, and we thank him for the values that he lived by and instilled in us. He was our guiding star. He put the principles of peace, social justice and equality first. Good on him. From uh, Eden Dork in County Tyrone to the Bog of uh, Allen, Daddy was most at home with his beloved family. The County Tyrone politician served as an elected member in the North for 22 years, from 1964 to 1986. During his time working in Northern Ireland, Poly, he and his family were regularly subjected to terrorist intimidation, threats, uh, physical harm uh, to both themselves and family members. In his late 80s, he, he moved to Dublin, where he uh, ran a success. He ran successfully for Fianna Gael in the 1989 general election. The following year, he was put forward by the Fianna Gael to contest the presidential election. He finished in third place with more than 17% of the vote behind him. That's not bad. Anyway, so may you rest in peace, uh, Austin Curry. You did a, a lot of good work when you were with us. And what have I got here? This is another thing that's a bit of interest. Van Morrison, Sir Van Morrison. And the Northern Ireland Hills Minister, he's going to sue uh, Van, the man, over comments he made. Northern Ireland's Health Minister has initiated legal proceedings against Sir Van Morrison, who branded him a very, over, a very dangerous over his handling of the COVID-19 restrictions. Robin Swan's solicitor, Paul Tweed, said proceedings were at an advanced stage, with a hearing expected in early 20, 2022. In June, the, uh, the singer chanted the very dear comments during a dinner. Sir Vance uh, Morrison's solicitor said the singer regrets that Mr. Sun considered it necessary to issue proceedings. John J. Rysenko said its uh, clients were also disappointed by the publicity that surrounds the issue of the proceedings. The firm confer- the confirmed can confirm that a defence has been served on one half of uh, on behalf of Mr. Morrison to the proceedings brought by the minister. Mr. Morrison asserts. Uh, within that defence that the words used by, the, by him related to a matter of public interest and constituted an uh, unfair comment. Morrison's a spoken critic of, uh, of COVID-19, as you know. His band, they were trying to you know, tell people to come in the, not to wear masks and to push and hassle the government so they could actually hold concert. Him and uh, Eric Clapton, uh, the other of the blues guitarists, were in the same sort of boat. 
they were against all the, the regulations about concerts, et cetera, et cetera, and the numbers of people, et cetera. Anyway, so he's been uh, – he's got a bit of a history. The singer took the stage at a dinner event at Belfast Europa Hotel in June and addressed about 140 people after his gigs were cancelled. That's it. They were cancelled. He was really annoyed about that. He was joined on stage uh, by Democratic Unionist Party MP Ian Paisley. Uh, Mr Paisley later defended his action by saying, what, what was Padre, uh, uh, a bit of banter and sarcasm should not be blown out of all proportion. He said he had been put on the spot and that he did not believe that Mr Swan uh, was dangerous. A report of the legal action first appeared on Sunday Live newspaper. Last year, Sirvan accused the government of taking our freedom in three new songs at protests uh, against the coronavirus lockdown. Mr. described the songs as dangerous, said that if the singer had a scientific fix to support his claim, he should present them. In August, Sirvan dropped the legal challenge against a, a blanket ban on live music and licensed venue because of the coronavirus restrictions. It was followed by a decision by the Stormont uh, Executive to allow live music to resume under special circumstances. So he got something done about it. <laughs> The people here are working by day and by night They don't sow potatoes, nor barley, nor wheat But there's gangs of them begging for gold in the street At least when I asked them, that's what I was told So I just took a hand at this digging for gold but for all that I found there I might as well be In the place where the dark morns sweep down to the sea There's beautiful girls here, oh never you mind Beautiful shapes Nature never designed Lovely complexions of frozen cream But let me remark With regard to the same That if at those roses You venture to sip The colours might all come away On your lips So I'll wait for the wild roses waiting for me In the place where the dark morns sweep down to the sea With the rest of the force I saw him one day As I was crossing the strand And he stopped the whole street With a wave of his hand And as we stood talking Of days that are gone The whole town of London Stood there to look on 
but for all his great powers he's wishful like me to be back where the dark morns sweep down to the sea but for all his great powers he's wishful like me to be back where the dark morns sweep down to the sea Now, we go on to something here, but the Chieftains, right over here, that's the one. The Chieftains will release a brand new album this weekend, marking the 60th anniversary of the formation of the legendary Irish band. Founding member, Paddy Maloney, who died there in October. He was, well, Paddy was instrumental in putting together the new release, Chronicles, 60 Years of the Chieftains. The project, the project had been in production for the last 12 months, but was postponed following the, the untimely death of the group's founder and leader. Yeah, so it's a, just looking at a photograph here of uh, Paddy on the Leon Pipes. It's just absolutely, he was, a, he was a legend, really. There's no other words to describe the man. And with the blessing of the Maloney family, the album will be released on November the 12th. That's today, our time, you know. Through Clada Records, featuring over 60 audio and visual tracks from the world's most celebrated traditional Irish band. Over the last few months, Paddy was instrumental in putting the Chronicles project, project together, a spokesman for the, the family said. Uh, whether it was choosing versions of a recording to include, working on the track list, or approving the artwork he really enjoyed being involved and it meant so much to him seeing it, this come together on the record company. The, the Chieftains first ever recorded, yeah, Clad Records, that's the first, uh, I think it's probably the only label that they've actually recorded in order, and one in which Paddy ran for several years, producing much of the catalogue himself. Like I said, the man was a legend and, uh, you know, I was just a, not about a genius, but he was an incredibly, incredibly talented man, musician. We're so happy that he got to see the final version. The album is fitting tribute to Paddy and the Chieftains. In advance of their 60th anniversary next year, the Chieftains released Chronicles 60 Years on November the 12th. Just repeating myself again. So that's today in our time. So that's uh, pretty cool that that's going to happen. And I got this. I'll, I'll read a little bit of this. This is about There was a movie called Belfast by uh, Kenneth Branigan. And, uh, you know, been, you know, Hopefully this might go for for an Oscar. It's about his life in Belfast, the city that he was born in, etc., etc. So I'll just skip through some of it, not of it. Northern Ireland and its capital, Belfast, has long provided filmmakers with uh, rich material. Shining a light on the region's political history are many powerful films about the Troubles. Each decade of the Troubles had produced uh, a different take on the conflict in the 70s, documentaries like uh, a place called Ardoin captured the voices of working-class Catholics. Uh, Thrillers of various kinds dominated in the 80s and 90s, while uh, Titanic uh, started, and that was you know just a massive movie. And Steve McQueen's Hunger, you know, about Bobby Sands, was also another feature. New on the the list of compelling is uh, this is Belfast, directed by Keith Brannigan. Dan Brunningham was born in Belfast and is, it's his own personal story and he's weaved intimate details into every frame like the, the Fulham Boys narrator, Buddy. Uh, Brunningham grew up in the city of, in a Protestant family where crowds marched 
and the army fought to control, keep control. Like Buddy in the movie as a boy, Brannigan burst into tears when he was told his family might leave Belfast to escape the troubles for uh, greater security and safety. The family moved to Reading when he was nine. That turned out, uh, turned into my child was very, very vivid. I really remembered that I was scared. The great unknown. The movie has also got, a, talking about Van Morrison there, uh, a searing soundtrack of original songs by Belfast-born Van the Man, Van Morrison, and is the perfect backdrop. He did, he, wrote the, he did the whole thing for the movie, which is brilliant, really. Uh, well, having scored, uh, scooped an award at the Toronto International Film Festival there in September, Belfast seen as an Oscar frontrunner. That'd be interesting. Brian uh, Henry Martin, one of the team, as it were, a film critic and film grew up in Belfast, which he recalls a troubled city. He recalls cameras being targeted, bombed and destroyed. Cinema venues dropped from 23 to 5 in 10 years because of the conflict. You know, just, nobody it was like locked down, really. Just there uh, was curfews everywhere. You, didn't, you weren't allowed out. <coughs> as uh, consequences, uh, films about the troubles <coughs> were frequently filmed elsewhere, often in Dublin or Liverpool. Which for those who knew Belfast intimately were easy to spot because Belfast is very distinctive. It is an industrial port city and Victorian and has a, un- a unique look to it. The Ticonic Quarter and the imposing Belfast Hills, the Black Mountain, the, uh, the Divis Mountain and the Cave Hill that tower over the city like sleeping giants are said to have inspired Jonathan Swift's book, Gulliver's Travels. Because he was uh, born in Ireland as well, Jonathan Swift. In subsequent uh, decades, a number of Hollywood thrillers were set in Northern Ireland. Uh, one Hollywood blockbuster was about the troubles that, that mentioned Belfast's importance is Titanic. One of the we'll get it right here, Kevin. One of the blockbusters is about the Titanic and the importance that it had in the city. It was the biggest movie in the world when it was released. Uh, the, t- the original ship, one of the, the most famous in history depending on your point of view, was built in Belfast, yet there's no ever mention of it in the script. Interesting. Another feel-good Belfast movie was uh, Good Vibrations, founder of a, a record shop and uh, label that kick-started the success of many punk bands in Belfast, including The Undertones. Uh, I felt like I, it was born from this place. It was filmed here. And Hooley, it's the name of the producer, was Belfast was a Belfast legend. Which shows uh, shows us Belfast of bright spots, art galleries, and coffee bars, etc., etc. Uh, it is it's you know brighter, brighter version of Belfast. You know everybody's got to you know, when they think of Belfast, like, like any other part of the troubled world, they just sort of think of the bad things that you know we get sort of overwhelmed with on TV news. Belfast was once described as living on top of an active volcano. It would be a, a, it could be a volatile place, but it, but it was also changing. It was vibrant, new, youthful, and diverse population that is transforming not just the city but the the stories as well. Yeah, there's been a lot of people moved over to Belfast, and it is uh, it's good to see you know uh, troubled history, uh, the past rather will be uh, it will not be forgotten, but it will be in the past. It was a whole new future. There's a lot of people there now, quite a number, in fact. Who have got no idea about the troubles, you know, they never saw them, the, you know, the, the shutdowns, the, the army on the streets and the bombing and the shootings. All that is just kind of something they read about or hear about from their parents. 
Anyway, the vast Titanic studios in the city's tight county quarter has been putting the city on the, the cinematographic map for almost a decade. And this year hosted uh, leading productions such as uh, Dungeons and Dragons, etc. And, of course, Game of Thrones, one of the most successful TV series of all time. It was filmed in Belfast, across Northern Ireland, making use of the region's great scenery and those wonderful coastlines. It's historical, uh, historic uh, castles and breathtaking scenery in general for millions of fans. Not, no Northern Ireland, Belfast, forever be the City of Thrones territory. Interesting way of putting it. Uh, then there is Dairy Girls, which had the troubles as a backdrop, but is uh, as irrelevant and joyful comedy set in the 90s and based on uh, writer Lisa McGee's school days. Shot in Belfast as well as uh, the, the you know, Dairy. It is Channel 4's most successful sitcom since Father Ten. Wow. Dairy Girls shows off our wicked sense of humour, which can get lost in the, uh, the dark dramas. Not all stories of the troubles have been told. And um, we can tell you to tell our truth and let ourselves heal on the big screen. That's part of the process and the journey we're on. Martin Blade Brannigan's film has captured the heart and humanity of the city and an incredible energy, past and present. I think it's incredibly emotional and significant. He's told the story of his own childhood and uh, the moment he left the city. Because that story has not been told, he made the film for his hometown. And if he wins an Oscar, you can be sure the whole city will be toasting with him. Yeah, so it is quite a a good sort of, uh, you know, it sounds like a really good movie. And it won't be here. I think it's, it opens up in uh, New York next month and then in Britain in the middle of January. So it probably won't be, you know, released for the general public for possibly quite a number of weeks, if not months. And just uh, sort of carry on here. This is a journal. This is another Irish paper. Former Anglo Bank CEO and chairman Sean Fitzpatrick has died at the age of 73. He was involved with a lot of, you know, the bank went into trouble, you know, really serious trouble, and he got a bit of a hammering for it. Former Anglo Irish Bank chairman Sir Patrick uh, Fitz, uh, Sean Fitzpatrick has served. Uh, uh, as CEO resigned on 2008 following re- revelations about warehouse loans, a collapse of the bank's share price and its eventual nationalisation. Spokesman Fulman have confirmed that the 70-year-old died after a short illness. He did. He got into a lot of trouble. It's just you know, that was that kind of the world that we lived in. It was, you know, it's greedy now, but it was even greedier then. Fitzpatrick was appointed chief executive of what was in the Dublin, uh, rather the city of Dublin Bank. He had to become Anglo in 1986. He built a small commercial bank over the following 30 years to become one of the biggest lending institutions in Ireland. The Celtic Tiger period was one of particular growth for the bank, which was a significant lender to property developers. Fitzpatrick's name became well known around the time of the financial crash and its aftermath, during which Anglo went bust, costing the Irish state around 29 billion euros. Yes, 29 billion euros. He had always rejected accusations that Anglo had, t- seemed, had taken, had been reckless in its lending practices. In an interview with uh, Radio Telefisher, uh, broadcast member Martin Duquesne, after the, the Irish government issued the bank uh, guarantee for the they said the cause of Ireland's problem was global. So I can't say sorry with any degree of certainty, sincerity and decency, but I say thank you. Following a complex criminal uh, trial in 2017, I just directed the jury find uh, Fitzpatrick not guilty of hiding millions of euros in loans from auditors due to the, uh, the evidence in relation to each of these charges. 
The prosecution came out and uh, came on foot of an investigation by the department that began shortly after the full size of uh, Fitzpatrick's personal loans emerged, and it was serious money. Between 2002 and 2007, loans taken out by Fitzpatrick, his wife and family members, increased in the region of 10 million euros in 22 to around 100 million in 2007. Using five years, well, the loans were used to finance the development of shopping centres, hotels, and offices at a time when a lot of money could be made in property development. Uh, the prosecution in his uh, the prosecution in his trial had alleged that the amount to the amount loaned to Fitzpatrick was artificially reduced for a period of two years. Described as a refinancing, and this practice was also known as breakfasting or warehousing, as the loans would be called. However, the Dublin uh, Criminal Court heard uh, n- not much more about the loans arrangement. After a 20, uh, 20, 20, 127-day trial, uh, the judge directed Fitzpatrick not guilty of all charges due to flaws in the, the evidence. So he really guy said he was, a, he was really well-known. He was a famous guy all round. And I'll finish off on this. This was, this was just a little bit of tittle-tattle, really. A Car Valley business owner was in the, the throes of cocaine and alcohol abuse when he brandished an imitation gun in a crowded pub in Dublin. Judge uh, Melanie Greatly said that uh, CCTV played in court showed customers in the pub cowing in fear as Damien Byrne, 44, indiscriminately pointed what, what was believed to be a deadly weapon. It was a, you know, a gun that looked the part. Born with an address in Subble Place in Dublin City, pulled out of the pulled out the farm after an outburst of violence during an, with an associate. He initially directed the farm at security guard people before wavering it around the pub, causing customers to duck for cover. Madness, real madness, given the, you know what's happens in the world today with people with knives and guns in private places. Uh, Byrne brandished the, uh, the realistic-looking firearm in Finch's pub there in Clontarric, is it Clontarric? Yeah, in West Dublin. He then left the pub with another man but was later arrested. He subsequently pleaded guilty at the Dublin court to unlawful possession of a firearm. His defence, uh, Keith uh, Spencer, told the court that his client had a severe dependency on cocaine and alcohol at the time. He said he had been drug and alcohol-free since 2020 after getting um, a chip implanted into his body, which causes him to be to feel violent, uh, violently sick if he drinks alcohol. Wow. Yeah, I remember George Best had something like that done to him as well. Anyway, the council said that Byrne had gone on to the set of two companies uh, as the, with the car, the car Valley business and a tanning and started, uh, you know, hassling people there, playing around with this gun. Uh, so he, he didn't... I think he got fined in it. It doesn't actually say... Oh, he said a custodial sentence would be significant setback to his progress and suspended a four-year prison term on condition to keep the peace for that time. So it'll be interesting to see if he can, uh, you know, behave himself, as they say, for the next uh, four years or so. Anyway, I will love you and leave you and just, you know, enjoy this weather. But as I look out the studio window now, it's just a wee bit cloudy, but it's still warm, which is something as opposed to, and there's no wind Got a thing about strong winds. Anyway, on that now note, be kind and take care. Okay? See you later. Bye. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. 
Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.